called Financial Pieces, How to Get Peace from Your Pieces. Uh, I'm excited for this series because I think, I think we all need it. There's two types of people, people that got money, and you need this because you need to know how to, how to handle it according to God's principles. And then the other type of people, people that don't got money, you also need this. You also need this. This is going to be good for everyone. I'm not qualified to talk on this subject because I'm rich. I'm not qualified to talk about this subject because I'm qualified to talk about what the Bible says. And the Bible is not silent on this topic, anything, anything but. God is extremely relevant to every part of our lives, isn't he? Yes. There's no part of our lives where, you know, we'll get, this, this part God doesn't really say anything about. It's not, it's not true. There's nothing like that. Uh, Dave Ramsey, he's a great teacher on money. He says a, a great quote that I love. He says, he says, money's fun if you got some. Turn to the person next to you, just remind them that. Money's fun if you got it, just tell them. Money's fun if you got it. In fact, I'd love to have a little bit of participation. I'd love to see a show of hands. How many of you would say that a little more money would be great? If you could have just a little bit more money, let's be honest, a little bit more would make it better. I don't quite have enough. If I had a little bit more, it would be better. Can I see a show of hands? Come on, get those hands up. Don't lie to me. Just a little bit more. That would be nice. I, yes, just a little more would help me. All right, all right. We're looking for more because our financial world isn't always whole. There's some pieces. And so we're, we're looking for this, just a little bit of, of more. And some of us have got there. We don't have peace in our finances. Some of us got there because of really, really stupid decisions. Anyone ever make some stupid money decisions? Yeah. Like, yeah, my dad was on the front. He's like, yep, I sure did. I, I know a guy. I know a guy who was really excited about a deal. So his, his house, he bought the groceries, and he had a bottle of ketchup in his refrigerator. He had a backup bottle of ketchup in the cupboard. You know, you got to have a backup bottle. But he went to the grocery store, and they had a sale on ketchup. Normally, a ketchup bottle was like $3 or something. This was, was like 75 cents a bottle. And so he bought 20 of them. And he brought them home and said, it's a great deal. Yeah, but all of them are going to go bad by the time you get through your bottles already. So he bought 20 bottles that, like it was a total wash. This was going to wind up going in the trash. That was a stupid decision. He couldn't even use it. You made some stupid mistakes, maybe. I have too. I had one real good one, but I already told that story in another sermon, so I can't use it. Uh, but we've all done some stupid things. So as we talk about finances today, I want to encourage you, no guilt. You've done something stupid. All right, that's cool. Your past doesn't define your today, and it doesn't define your future. It, so just, we're going to go forward. There's no guilt. So just shake off the guilt. No guilt. We're not doing it. Uh, let me give you an overview of what we're going to do in this series. Today, I'm going to give a, a godly understanding of money. This is what the Bible has to say on money. If we're going to deal with money, we have to have a godly, biblical approach to, to money. So next week, we're going to look at extremely practical ideas of how to get out of debt. And the week after that, I'll actually be talking about um, what do you do with the more? What's the, what's the more for? How do you, you can save. Uh, you can plan for the future. And there's things that the Bible says about these ideas. And that's what we're talking about. In this. So let me show you why this matters. You may be asking, why is a preacher talking about money in church? Okay, let me tell you why. Because it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. 
Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave. Everybody say slave. slave. The borrower is slave to the lender. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. What a bold statement. You're in debt, you're a slave? Like, that's a pretty bold statement for Scripture to make. And, and you, you may say, well, that's not true, because I'm not a slave. Maybe you are. Maybe we are slaves when we're in debt. Uh, uh, let, let me help you understand how this could be. It's revealed in the words we say. A slave is somebody who has a master who tells them what they can do. A slave can't do whatever they want. They're limited in what they can do because there's someone else that has power over them. Right? That's what a slave is. They're limited in what they can do. So we say things like, I'd love to get married, but I don't have money. I'll get married when? So you can't do what you want to do. I'd love to adopt a kid, but I can't afford it. I'd love for one of us to stay at home with the kids, but we don't have enough money. We just gotta, we, we'd like a bigger house for growing our family, but do you see how debt can put you in bondage? You can't do what you want to do. Or I can't stand my job. I hate what I'm doing, but it pays the bills, so I guess I have to. In other words, I'm in bondage doing what I hate doing, and I can't do what God made me to do because of my debt. The borrower's slave to the lender. I'd really like to go on a mission trip, but I wish I could give more in the heart for the house offering. But I wish I could feed hungry kids, but I got two in my own house. That's just as much as I can do. Too many of us, I think, are walking around unable to do what we want to do in bondage because we're in debt. And that's why the Bible says, Proverbs 22, 7 again, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. It's because of a life of debt, many of us just can't do what we want to do. And that is bondage. Now, statistics say you're probably in debt. I I did some fact-checking. Fact-checking? I did some checking of facts, the same thing. Uh, statistics say you're probably in debt, uh, and it's probably getting worse every day, uh, if you're average. The average household in the U.S. owes 136% of their annual household income. Yeah, ouch. For those carrying a credit card balance in the U.S., the average balance is 14517 Somebody say, wow. That's a lot of lattes. Concert tickets, dates, that's a lot of bottles of ketchup on sale. That's really, usually that's what credit card is. It's just a lot of little bad decisions. There's, there's often not a huge bad decision. There's just a lot of really dumb ones, just teeny tiny dumb ones. The average number of households in the USA living paycheck to paycheck, if you're making less than $100,000, there's about 70% of the households living paycheck to paycheck. That means if you lost your job or if there was a great unexpected uh, event that occurred in your life that cost a lot of money, you'd be, you'd be in trouble because you're living paycheck to, to paycheck. Now you think, well, I just, we just need more money. Of the people that make more than $100,000, almost 50% of them are living paycheck to paycheck. This is not a more money problem. This is a dumb decision problem. This is a spending problem, isn't it? That's what that stat says to me. If we're average... This means that about half of us, if we lost our job or had an unexpected expense, we'd be behind and we'd stayed behind, and it could actually 
spiral into a, a life of poverty because we, we just couldn't get back ahead. And that's become normal. That's, that's not just a few people. That's normal. It's the majority. That's normal. Normal is debt. Normal is car payments. Normal is credit card payments, house payments. Normal is fights about money. Normal is divorce over money. Normal is laying up at night worrying about it. But we are not called to be normal. We're called to be just a little bit different. Turn to the person next to you and say, he might be talking about you. Different. You're a little different. We're called to just be a little bit different. And God has given us a plan to do it. You can think, you always have a car payment. But if you think that way, it's going to be true. It will be true if you think that. But you don't have to think that. You can think just a little bit different. Now, again, I, I can just imagine some of you are thinking, whoa, 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 why is this preacher talking about my wallet? Don't he understand the separation of church and the state of my life? <laughs> Listen, there's no such thing as a holy separation of church and anything in the life of a believer. No such thing. God wants in it all. He talks about all of it, and he wants in all of it, if you let him, if you let him. And when you let God into the messy spots, oh, he can do something pretty great if you let him in. See, here's the spiritual principle. Money is one of the most visible measurements of the condition of your heart. You could say, I thought, I thought God was worried about what's on the inside. You know, the Bible says... Uh, God does not, man looks on the outside, not on the inside, but God looks on the inside, not on the outside. So why does God worry about money? Right. God's worried about your heart. And how we deal with finances is in direct correlation with how our heart is. That is good preaching. Thank you for cheering me on, honey. God wants your heart, but he knows, Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God is looking at your heart. This is why scripture is loaded with verses about money and possession. Two-thirds of the parables of Jesus deal with money and possessions. Two-thirds of them. 10% of the verses in the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 10% of the verses deal with money and possessions. There are five times more verses in the Bible about money than there are about faith. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's, it's not not connected. There's, there's a connection. So I want to share some ideas with you to uh, help reorient our thinking about money to God's way of thinking about money. Is that okay? Yeah? Okay, all right. Preach it, Pastor Adam. Thank you. If you don't cheer me on, I'm going to cheer me on. It's okay. Anytime God's thoughts about a topic and my thoughts about a topic disagree... I'm the one that's wrong, right? All right. Anytime there's an incongruence, God's the one that's right. I'm the one that's wrong. So uh, let's look at some of the ways that I've been wrong, and maybe you can, uh, uh, you can identify too. There's, there's a couple temptations that I think all humans tend to deal with when it comes to money. The first is this. We're tempted to serve money. We have this temptation to serve money. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, Jesus actually taught it in Matthew chapter 6. He says, no one can serve two masters. A master is somebody that puts demands on your life, right? Like, like if you're serving a master, the master tells you what you can do. So no one can serve two. 
two different masters that make a demand of you. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And in case you didn't catch what I was saying, disciples, you cannot serve both God and money, Jesus clarified. You cannot serve both God and money. Not should not, not try not, but you can't. You can only think you're doing it. And when you think you're doing it, you can't. You're not. You're not actually serving both God and money. You can't do it. Of all the things Jesus could have said there, you cannot serve both God and money. Why do you say both God and money? Like, it seems like he could have picked, you cannot serve both God and power, or God and sexual desires, or, or God and popularity. You can't serve both. But he picked God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. Why? I think it's because those are the two things that have demands over the believer. And God knew that money would be the foremost competitor for our hearts. And he wants all of our hearts. Now, no, nobody's walking around saying, I'm, a, I'm in bondage. And, um, you know, I took out a car payment. I'm in bondage. I'm a slave. I serve money. No one does that. And most of, most of you will probably say that you don't serve money, but let me help you see yourself in the scripture, okay? Uh, I think we're serving money this is what I think serving money looks like. I think you're serving money anytime you believe or agree with uh, the lies and false promises that money makes. Because at that point, you're under the power of the money telling you something that's not true. Let me help you. If you ever bought something that you didn't need with money you didn't have to impress people you didn't even like, I think you were serving money. Because you believed into the lie, the false promise that those things would make you somehow better, somehow more popular. I heard of a guy just this morning, I saw an article, there was a guy who, who bought a BMW with a $600 a month payment and his monthly income was $1,200. Why? Why? He needs a bicycle. Okay, so, so we're tempted to serve money. If you ever hoarded money with, with the attitude, you probably didn't say it, but maybe it's your attitude, like, that's my stash. Like, I'm, I'm going to hang on to this. This, is my, this stack makes me happy, and it's my stack. And so this, 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 is, this is what makes me happy. And so, you know, I know the 10% is supposed to go to God, but not this 10%. This is my stack. This is mine. You're hoarding it. That, I think, is serving money because you're buying into the lie, that, or, or it's a false promise, that money is power and happiness and it's even a false promise that you can have money. We just get to hold it. All, all is God's. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Right? Uh, so that's a false promise that you even get to have it. You get to hold it. God lets you hold it and gets, let, lets you use it. <clears throat> if you ever neglected more important things in order to get more money, because there's things that are more important than money. If you ever, like your family, there's people sometimes that neglect time with their children in order to climb the ladder and get more money. And this is the crazy trick that Satan plays on us. Well, I'm helping my family. Yeah, they don't want the money. They want you. There's, there's men. I know one man that got, his wife left him, and he was stunned. And in, in like looking back at his life, he realized where he went wrong was he spent all of his time at work getting more payable hours, thinking he's loving his spouse, 
But 10 years later, his spouse didn't even know him, and he didn't know her. And it, it, was, it was over for him. It doesn't have to be that way. So, so if, you, if you've ever neglected the more important things in life in order to just get more, you might be serving money. Because there's a false promise that money is more important to relationships than actual relationships. That's a lie. That's, that's a false promise that money makes. So there's this great temptation to serve money. And Jesus warns us, you can't. You can't serve both God and money. And there's another t- temptation you may struggle with. I do sometimes. Uh, we're all tempted to love money. We're tempted to love money. First Timothy tells us the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. This verse does not say that money is evil. Money love is the root of evil. It's the love of money that's the, the root of evil. Money itself is not good or bad. It's neutral. What are you going to do with it? You can use it for good or you can use it for bad. Now you may say, poor people... Well, they, they, don't, they, don't, uh, they, they don't love money because they don't have any. That's not necessarily true. If you don't have any, that could be because you loved money too much. And you don't have any, but, you're st- but perhaps you're still loving it too much and it's controlling your life. And that's why you're in the position you're in. Or you could say the other way, well, rich people love money. Obviously, they've got it. They must love it. Not necessarily true. They have it. They have it. It's possible they have it because they're good at their jobs and they made wise decisions. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they love it. They have it, but it doesn't have them. You can have a lot of money because you're good at what you're doing and you made good decisions. You can have money. You can use money. You can leverage money without actually loving it. Am I making sense? Money itself is neutral. It's what you do with the money that makes the world of difference. It's, the problem isn't income, it's trajectory. It's perspective. Now, now you, you, you may think, you know, if somebody had more money, there'd be less problems. And then, you know, if I had more money, I wouldn't have to work as much. That's possibly a lie that money's making to you. Because if you, if you had more money, it probably came because you got a better job. And if you had a better job, it's probably because you had more responsibilities, which means more work. So you don't get to work less, you have to work more. It's just a false trick. Or, or you may think, if I had more money, I wouldn't be in debt. It's not true. Statistics show the more money you have, the more debt you probably have. Or if I had more money, then I, wouldn't, then I, I could be generous. You know, there's a heart for the house offering, you know, it's above the 10%. I could, I could give more then if I had more money. Studies show it's not true. This is heartbreaking, but the stats show that the more money people have, the smaller percentage they donate to organizations. That's a shame. Everybody say, aw. It's a shame. Your trajectory for how you work with money now will determine your future trajectory with money. And it may have something to do with the amount of provision God's giving you today. In other words, let me make it a little more simple. Money, more money generally makes you more of what you already are. More money generally makes you more of what you already are. If you don't have any money, if you're a broke jerk and you get money, you're a rich jerk. (laughs) And probably a bigger one. 
If you, uh, if you don't have money, but you're generous with the little that you have, and then you get money, what are you? You're, you're more generous. You're more generous. It's, it's a magnifier of what you already are. So your trajectory, let me say it again, what I said a minute ago, your trajectory for how you view money and how you handle money will set your future for your money. And it might have something to do with the amount of provision that God's giving into your life right now. Now, if I ask for a show of hands, I'm not gonna, but if I ask for a show of hands for who's a Christian and loves money, I I probably wouldn't get a lot of hands up because I just told you that the love of money (laughs) is the root of all evil. I probably wouldn't get a lot of hands up. Um, But if you recall at the start of this message, I asked you a question. I asked you to raise your hand if you could use just a little more money. If you didn't quite have enough and you want just a little bit more money. And almost everybody raised your hand. Uh, Let's look at this verse. Can you put that verse up? Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. So according to scripture, if you don't think you have enough, you love money. So turn to the person next to you that raised their hand earlier and say, he got you. (laughs) Busted. (laughs) Okay, it's a joke. Not trying. No shame. No shame in your game. The reality is a lot of us are under the power of money and we don't even realize it. It can have this tricky power over us and we just don't even know it. Mishandling of money is not a financial issue, it's a heart issue. It reveals a spiritual problem. For most of us in the United States, our problem is not really income. It's living outside of our means. If you, let me just blow your mind for a minute, okay? If you make $20,000 annually, if that's your annual household income, $20,000, you are in the top 10% richest people in the world. We're all blinging today, aren't we? And in advanced economies, globally, globally, the global advanced economies, if you make $20,000 annually, you are considered upper middle class in global advanced economies. That's taking out non-advanced economies. For most people in the United States, we don't really have an income problem. We have a spending problem. We're We're lifestyling ourselves into a life of bondage. And we try to fix it, and we come up with a solution. More money, more money, more money. No. If you spend more than you make, that's a lifestyle problem, which is an indication of a spiritual problem. Namely, that we're trying to find meaning. We're trying to find success. We're trying to find something better through money. Like this is going to, the things of this world are going to fulfill us. How's that working for you? Jesus is what fulfills us. The reality is most of us don't need more money. We need more Jesus. Amen. Let me say that again. Not enough of you said amen. Not all of us need more money. We need more Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Follow my logic here. When we get more Jesus, we have the mind of Christ. When we have the mind of Christ, we have access to God's wisdom. We have access to the, to the, uh, uh, the spiritual fruit of, of self-control. 
When we have access to God's wisdom and the spiritual fruit of self-control, we start making better choices with how we spend. And when we prove that we're faithful stewards, what's God do? He gives us more. The reality is most of us don't actually need more money. We need more Jesus. The blessing will, will follow. My hope today is that we all can surrender just a little more to the Lord. I'm talking about our hearts. I'm not saying surrender your pocketbook. That's, there's not like a secret offering at the end. I'm asking you to surrender more of your heart to the Lord. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Right? So like, like there's a surrender. This is a heart issue. If you're sick of fighting about money, if you're losing sleep over money, stressing over money, not being able to do what you really want because of bondage, I hope you get sick enough of it that you say, I'm not doing it anymore. I want to do something else. I want to try something different. You tried how everybody else does it. It didn't work good. Let's give God's way a shot. Let's give God's way a shot. That's what this series is about. Here's a big point, big idea today. We don't serve money. We serve God. We don't serve money. We serve God. Craig Groeschel says it like this. He says, money serves us as we serve God. I don't serve money. It serves me. Money serves us. Money actually can buy time. Did you know that? Money can buy you time. When you have money, you can trade money for time. You spend how many hours cleaning your house? When you have money, you don't have to be the one that does it. How many hours a week do you spend on yard work? When you have money, you don't have to be the person that does that. Money can actually buy you back time, and you can then have that time to serve, to love other people, to spend time with your family. Money gives us options. Everybody's liking money now. I'm talking about money. Money gives us options. When you don't have money and it's time for a vacation, you're left for, like, grandma's house and old college roommate's sofa. Like, those are the two places you can take a vacation without money. But when you have money, when you have a lot, you can go anywhere you want. You've got options. You've got options. Money serves us as we serve God. See, if you see a person in need, you can help them if you have money. Or you hear about the South Auburn location and you want to plant into what God's doing, you're able to write a big fat check to help move forward what God's doing. Money serves you as you serve God. You walk out today, you're going to see an Operation Christmas Child box. And many of you will take one. That's excellent. But if you've got money, why one? Why not more than one? Money serves us as we serve God. If I'm making sense, say yeah. 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 Money serves us as we serve God. Would you stand with me? That's my hope for all of us, that we can serve God faithfully. My hope is that we can be at a place where we're not stressing over money, and that's what this series is about. We're going to give you the tools you need to do it, but you have to start with understanding what God says about money and how he wants us to, to think about it, and you can, you can get there. Just imagine if this verse was, po- was possible. Romans 13, 8, the NIV says, let no debt remain outstanding. Yes. 
Can you imagine what your life would be like if that was possible for you? Let no debt remain outstanding. Or another verse, or the same verse in the NIRV says, pay everything you owe. What if we actually could do it? What if there wasn't credit card payments in your life? No more car payment, no more credit card payment. What if you're crazy enough, you don't even have a house payment, if you're crazy enough? Think about what you could do. Think about the generous life you could have. Think about how much time you would have with your family. Think about the things you could do to impact the world around you. If you're faithful in little ways, God, if you're faithful with the little ways God gives you little, there's a result of more that's promised in Scripture. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would trust us with what, we're, with what you know us to be uh, able to, to be faithful with, Lord. I pray today that we would trust you a little more with the whole of our lives, that we surrender to what you want to say and uh, how you want to think, how you want us to think in our lives when it comes to money. Lord, may we be more concerned about growing our relationship with you than growing our wallet. Lord, we want to be satisfied by nothing but you. Serving you is our number one goal. Honoring you is our number one goal. So Lord, we elevate you to the forefront of our lives. You're more important than any of our stuff. We love you, Lord. We praise you, God.